Welcome to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. My name is Andrew Alex. It's early signing day, and I'm joined by Evan Watkins. Evan, how you doing, buddy? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. Exhausted, but I'm good. <laughs> yes, sir. This is like the Super Bowl of your profession, so I want to get things started right away. Bearing in mind the coaching change, what's your initial reaction to this class? What's your initial impression of this class? How do you view this class, given the circumstances, given where Virginia Tech was, given where Virginia Tech wants to be? Yeah, you know, I think you have to look at everything holistically. I mean, you look at a coaching staff that is minimally manned right now. Um, you got J.C. Price pulling double duty for both staffs with working bowl prep and out recruiting was a one-man band essentially for a little while. Him and, and Pearson Prelude, I guess the a, a duo right there um, out on the road recruiting before Brent Pry was was hired. And then, you know, you slowly start to build together a staff that, uh, you know, we're looking at maybe, what, seven days for most of these guys to have been on the road, 14 days maybe at the most. Uh, so, you know, you, you add all of that together and you think there's no way that Virginia Tech will sign the majority of their class. You know, when when uh, Justin Fuente was let go and there was kind of that up in the air, that was the, the first question I started asking the commits uh, is, are you still going to sign in December? And an overwhelming majority of them said no, that they were planning to sign in February. They wanted to see how things shook out. They weren't sure about who the replacement would be. They weren't sure about, you know, really anything about where, where everything was. Everything was up in the air for them. So, you know, to fast forward a few weeks and you lost two big pieces, in my opinion. I mean, Alex Orgy, I think, is a good quarterback. And, and Ramon Brown's probably the best running back that's committed to Virginia Tech in quite a few years. So that that does have to account into it. That That's a hurt, you know, that Virginia Tech took there. But you also flipped two guys from Virginia, one of them being an All-American uh, offensive lineman with Brody Meadows. Uh, you go out and you grab Hunter McLean, who I've said for a long time that I liked. I thought Virginia Tech uh, would be smart to go in there. I think he is better than, uh, you know, the Richmond commitment that he had given. Thought he pl- was was playing better than that, especially as a senior. And I said for a long time, I wouldn't be surprised to see Virginia Tech go in late on him. I didn't think it'd be the day of early signing day. Uh, honestly, I had talked to Hunter a few days ago, and he said he was planning to take an official visit in January to Virginia Tech, hopefully meet the, the new offensive line coach, whoever that may be, and see if he could – get an offer that way. So I think it was a little surprising that he got it today, but you know, I, I, re- I respect the game that he has. And I think that he's a player that could down the road, be a player for Virginia tech. So you did lose a few guys lost Malcolm Jones, who personally, I think he was a good player. Uh, he's more of an in the box safety headhunter type of guy, probably a walking target targeting pe- uh, penalty maker, but you know, he's, he's got fun highlights to watch. He's a good player, went to Michigan state. So, you know, you, you take out the ones they lost, you add in the ones they got. Brent Pry, 48 hours on the job, Lance Benji Gosnell. You know, overall, I think that it held together much better than you would think in a transition class. Is this class going to be top 25? Is it going to be top 20? No. It's a transition year. You don't really expect that unless maybe it's a, a blue blood that's changing a coaching staff. Virginia Tech's not built that way 
but if this class stays in the top 35, I think that's a win. You know, you're you're changing out everything. You, there's a lot of unknowns. There's, you know, you've been recruiting with nothing but defensive coaches. Then you maybe you, you know you get your special teams coach in there to come in for the official visit weekend. But there's no real offensive mojo right now. There's uh, no nobody on campus from the offensive side of the ball, and to still be able to land the O linemen that they did to be able to, to land the D linemen that they did. I think they did great in the trenches. Uh, I mean, from somebody that covers Virginia tech year in and year out, seeing the, just the sheer numbers and size of the offensive line and defensive line in this class is a win for me. I'd like to see how Virginia tech attracts the, the transfer portal over the next two to three weeks. I want to see what happens there. And then the sprint to February, you know, Brent Price said he wants to uh, add in some skill players on both sides of the ball. You know, they, they front loaded on the trenches, which is fantastic. Now they just need to add some, uh, some skill guys. So, you know, for me, am I going to say it's an A plus? No, but am I impressed with the way that they held everything together? There were some losses. We all knew there would be some losses, Hurts when an in-state four-star running back decommits. But all in all, I think it was a win for Brent Pry and his staff. As we go through individual players, I think it's best we start off with the ones that we lost. And obviously, the name that probably stings the most is Ramon Brown. Brown, the running back from Manchester High School, was kind of the the golden goose, if you will, the talk of the town, the recruit that generated the most excitement when he committed to Virginia Tech back in July. However, when Fuente and his staff were out the door, he didn't necessarily technically reopen his commitment, but you saw the in-home visits. It was West Virginia. It was South Carolina. And ultimately, Maryland is the one that does the job. He flips his commitment to the Terps. Is there any intel here? Why Maryland? And did Virginia Tech really have a shot as it came down to those final days? Yeah, you know, the first thing that that fans kind of wanted to bring up and talked about on the message boards or or hit me on Twitter with is why is Ramon Brown having in-home visits with other schools? You know, that comes with the territory. If you're a good player, schools want you. And if schools want to flip you, they're going to show you that love. They're going to show you that attention. They're going to come by your school. They're going to try to get an in-home. They're going to try to get you on campus uh, for an official visit. That comes with the territory with Ramon Brown. His big question was, what is going to be the offensive identity of Virginia Tech? There's no offensive coordinator in Blacksburg he could talk to. You know, the the, the guy everybody uh, projects and, and likely will be the OC uh, is currently on an NFL payroll. He's not allowed to recruit for Virginia Tech. So he's not going out and and talking about what his scheme is going to be. They can talk until they're blue in the face about what, you know, it might be. Um, but it's tough to go into a situation like that and say we have no OC. We have no running backs coach. You don't know who your coach is going to be. You don't know what scheme you're playing in. And uh, but we expect you to be the guy. You know, it's kind of tough to go into that situation. On top of that, he's obviously wanted by multiple schools, schools that recruit the state well. uh, And he has a brother that Maryland was very interested in bringing in either on scholarship or on a preferred walk on. Feels like they got a package deal there. I was really surprised 
One, about the decommitment, because he had been on campus the weekend before. Nine times out of ten, if you get the final visit, you're in a very good place to get the signature. And he was on campus, and the word from everybody on campus was that Ramon Brown had a great time, that he was very active in the group chat. He was very active recruiting while on campus. Um, You know, I had heard that they did the – just like we saw the videos today of everybody that was that was committed to to be released, all of that, everything seemed good until last night. And that's when it kind of all came out that he was going to make a decision and he wasn't firm in his commitment. I had wondered the whole time if he were to flip, if he would go to South Carolina, because they're kind of a hot team right now. They'd flip DeAndre Martin. You have – Shane Beamer there. You have, you know, other guys with ties to the to the state that can recruit well. I thought maybe that's where he was going and going to be an SEC guy. It's South Carolina and Virginia Tech. They recruit a lot of similar players. I wouldn't have been as shocked there. I was really shocked about Maryland. Obviously, Zon Burden, Virginia Tech fans know him well uh, up there, kind of leading the charge. Loxley can recruit really, really well. So, you know, maybe it shouldn't have been a surprise to me. I just kind of discounted Maryland a little bit in there. I thought South Carolina was really the main competition, but I thought he was going to sign with Virginia Tech. Everything lined up there to to sign with the Hokies. I was surprised last night. I was asking contacts and 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 you know, working through my network to see what anybody had heard yesterday when smoke started to arise about Ramon Brown and nobody had heard anything, which was very interesting. And I didn't just talk to guys that I know in my network with within, you know, Blacksburg or Virginia Tech. We were talking to people connected at all the schools uh, that we thought he could be considering, Maryland included. Nobody seemed to know really what was happening. This was kind of a in the dark, you know, ninja-esque move for him to flip his commitment. So he's a good player. I don't want anybody to discount that. I think, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people talking about how maybe he wouldn't have fit. Maybe he didn't like what Virginia tech was selling. Maybe, um, you know, he wants to be in more of a spread where Virginia tech looks like they might be going more, uh, you know, kind of more smash mouth uh, pro style a little bit that Penn state has been known for. So, I don't want anybody to take anything away from from Ramon Brown. I think he, I still think he's a very good player. He's one of the best players in the state of Virginia, and I think he's going to have a really good college career. But it was really surprising to me just the way it went down in the timeline of it all. The other decommitment, Alex Orgy, the quarterback out of the state of Texas that I'm sure some fans will begrudgingly remember as the final chapter of the TX2VT movement. Orgy had seemingly stood strong in his commitment to Virginia Tech as early signing day approached, but ultimately the flip at the last second to the University of Michigan. What's the intel on this one? Because from what I've heard, Orgy not necessarily guaranteed a spot at quarterback as he goes up to Ann Arbor. Yeah, you know, it, it, the the saying kind of goes, if there's any type of a change, the ones that live closest to campus are the likeliest to stick. So, you know, the further you get away from campus, the easier it is to decommit and to go somewhere else. So obviously, I think that was a concern for everyone. Now, he was a big time recruiter 
behind the scenes and even in the public a little bit. You know, we knew things were changing on Tuesday of last week. He said, I'm going to be at Virginia Tech this weekend. You know, we were we we ran some stuff on it. We reported it on the message boards. The the QB one, if you want to call it, was coming to campus uh, for the final official. And things really seemed to fit there. Like I said, you get the last visit things. You still you, you have a really good chance of signing the prospect. Then Wednesday comes around and he's on the Michigan visitor list. And that's when things got really interesting of calling around and trying to figure out who's he going to visit. You know, he had essentially, he had plane tickets for both. He had a ticket to come to the East coast. He had a ticket to go to Michigan. He chose Michigan. He wanted to go up there and, and see what they were about. He continued to tell the recruits that he was sticking with Virginia tech from, from everything we heard, we have heard and we understand now we know that from from years of being in this business, uh, that it, it was a very, very good chance he was flipping to Michigan. You know, we said, uh, both myself and some other insiders on VT Scoop said, uh, as soon as he came out on that visitor list was, if he goes to Michigan this weekend, he's signing with Michigan. It was kind of, you know, the, uh, the, the, the nail in the coffin, so to say. And then, you know, he... He visits Michigan and declined interviews. That's another tell that he's going elsewhere. He, he's going to flip his commitment. Um, so it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't really a surprise. His family is very academically driven, motivated and driven. Uh, I believe both of his parents are doctors. Brothers, uh, one I think just graduated from Vanderbilt. The other I believe is still there. Uh, so they value a very good education. Michigan offers a very good education. Not to say that Virginia Tech doesn't. Michigan does offer a very good education, and they're a playoff football team right now. They're the kind of the full package. The big question is, is he a quarterback there? Some people have said yes. Some have said no. Some have said he'll get the uh, start at quarterback. You know, we'll see how it goes. You know, give him a few practices, maybe a semester, maybe longer, see how he progresses, then maybe move him. A lot of schools, when he committed to Virginia Tech, a lot of schools were recruiting him as an athlete. Um, both of his brothers played linebacker at Vanderbilt, uh, and there was talk that he could be a, a linebacker. Also, a little bit of talk he could be a receiver. At Virginia Tech, I think he would have been QB1, um, not necessarily next year. But I do think that he would have eventually been a starting quarterback in Blacksburg at Michigan. I can't I can't make that same claim. I'm not as in tune with their recruiting and with their uh, roster makeup, but I'm pretty confident that uh, for the style of football that they play and the type of talent that they attract year in and year out, uh, that that I think that he will probably have to compete a lot harder to be that QB one up there. So it wouldn't shock me if he changed positions. Um, but those were two, you know, him and him and Brown were two big blows to Virginia tech Brown more so for in-state perception. Uh, obviously Virginia tech has had a very tough time landing top talented running backs from the state of Virginia. And you finally land one only to see him flip the night before signing day. Um, and then Orgy, you know, he was a, he's just a good quarterback. I mean, I think he's a good player. I think he would have been a good player at Virginia Tech. 
and and now he's gone elsewhere. But for the Hokies, Alex Orgy was not the answer for next season. Maybe in the future he was, but not right away. There's still bigger pressing needs right now for the Hokies. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I expect him to continue pressing on that quarterback, uh, you know, quarterback trail portal, Juco, um, see if you can find a high school, another high school guy to come in and compete with Devin Farrell. But those two hurt. Those two took a big chunk out of the class, in my opinion. Evan, you mentioned the old adage, the farther you are away from campus, the easier it is to decommit. But distance from campus was never an issue for the number one recruit in Virginia Tech's class, that being Gunnar Givens, the Lord Bonadot product, the highest rated recruit in the class, higher than Brown, higher than Orgy. And despite a little bit of tension amongst the fan base, he does what seemed inevitable. He signs on to be a Virginia Tech Hokie. Was there ever truly any doubt there? And maybe even more importantly, explain the change in designation from offensive line to defensive line, because I think that left a lot of fans in a state of confusion on signing day morning. I don't think there was really ever too much of a doubt with Gunner. Um, you know, I think he has been Virginia Tech for most of his life, to be honest. I know that may sound corny, but he's been a Virginia Tech guy for a very long time. Um, we knew pretty early that Virginia Tech was going to be the team to beat in this recruitment. That's not to say he wasn't going to look at other schools. He visited a bunch of them. Um, Ohio State was a school we had heard early would be a competitor for him. I believe his family has ties to the state of, of Ohio, and, and maybe they were some Ohio State fans in there. Clemson for a little while, obviously they're a really hot team. But you know, credit to Vance Vice for really – getting that recruitment done and making sure his focus stayed within an hour of Blacksburg. You know, the big thing uh, that we've heard throughout his recruitment is uh, the, you know, the old saying of, uh, you know, you want to keep your mom happy. Mom wants him home for dinner every night. If she could have him there, who wouldn't every, every parent would want that opportunity. Uh, so for him to be an hour from campus is a huge win for her, for his family, for his community. And Lord Botetot's done well putting some guys up in Virginia Tech, not just for football, but, uh, you know, students. He's got friends up there. He's really connected well with Luke Tenuta throughout the recruiting process. And you can see some similarities between those two guys, both on and off the field. But, you know, I don't really think there was ever a doubt. You know, people worried that he might go to North Carolina because he visited them and put some pictures on Instagram, but that would have been a Hail Mary, uh, in my opinion, for for UNC to really get that done and to flip him from Virginia Tech. It's the whole Virginia Tech experience for him. It's the closeness to home. It's the education. It's Lane Stadium. It's uh, It was never Justin Fuente. Uh, it was never the coaching staff. It's all of Virginia Tech and everything that they have. So, you know, I, I, he was never one I super worried about throughout the process, either going somewhere else or possibly flipping from Virginia Tech. But one of the big factors with him has always been he wants to be classified as an athlete. You know, if you look at if you look at his film, he doesn't really play offensive line at Lord Botetourt. He plays tight end. Uh, he splits out wide. He he can go out for passes. He can be an inline blocker. Um, they'll let him, you know, they'll get him the ball in space and kind of let him do his thing. And he plays either an outside, you know, a, a stand up wide linebacker or he'll play with his hand in the dirt and play D end. 
So he wants to be classified as an athlete. He never wanted to be pigeonholed as uh, an offensive lineman. He did a couple of camps at D-line. He's also done camps at, at O-line as well. So, you know, when when it came down to it about maybe, I don't know, maybe six months or ago, ago or so, uh, it was it was well known. Uh, you know, we were reporting it really, well, really, really often that he wants a shot to play defense in college. Now, personally, I had this conversation earlier. Uh, I think this is going to go the same route as Wyatt Teller. You know, Wyatt Teller was probably a better defensive line prospect at the time. I don't want anybody to think that uh, I'm, I'm thinking that Gunner is the next Wyatt Teller, but I think it's going to go the same way. Wyatt was a D lineman, got to Virginia Tech, played D line for for a little while, made the switch to O line. Uh, you know, he was a playing at a very high level in Blacksburg, goes to the NFL, and is now making bukus of money, more money than we could probably ever imagine. He's making it because of that switch. This is going to go the same way, in my opinion. Gunner Givens will get time at D line. My, uh, you know, just just my armchair quarterback opinion of this is. He'll probably get it, get the spring semester there, maybe next fall, because let's be honest, an O-line or D-lineman is probably going to need time to marinate and get in the strength and conditioning program and get their body right before they are a, a true every down type of con, uh, contributor before I think he makes the switch. And I think he I think his his long term ability, I think his ceiling and I think his his uh, you know professional aspirations that he wants to achieve at some point in time are going to fall on the offensive side of the ball. So I wouldn't be shocked if fairly fairly uh, early in his career if he makes that switch from D line to O line. Well, Evan, you speak about professional aspirations, and we know that Virginia Tech is known for putting defensive backs in the pros. On that note. A pair of defensive backs from the state of Maryland ultimately stay in the boat, those being Cam Johnson and Mansoor Delaney. Delaney, we know, was pushed for hard down the stretch by the Michigan State Spartans. I'm not so sure about Cam Johnson, what kind of energy he got, but he is a four-star recruit. Ultimately, both of them stay in the boat. Tell me about what it was like for those two guys down the stretch, and what do their prospects look like going forward? Yeah, you know, you look at Cam Johnson, and he's a four-star defensive back you look at uh, at Mansour and he's a three-star defensive back again my my armchair quarterback opinion here flip him Mansour's a better player in my opinion I think Mansour is going to make an earlier impact I think he's very very versatile um, I expect both to start out at corner I could see one both uh, moving to safety at some point point Mansour is probably more uh, suited, better suited to make that move if that move is needed. Um, but he's a very, very good player. Like, like you said, he was courted really hard by Michigan State. Um, and you know, at the up until the last weekend, we were wondering, middle of last week, where is he going to visit? Is he going to visit Virginia Tech or is he going to visit Michigan State? And he stood true to his commitment and, and visited Virginia Tech and and signed with the Hokies uh, earlier today. But, you know, he's really, really a versatile player. Cam is really good. He's more of, um, you know, he, he's more built in the mold of like a Dorian Strong, in my opinion. Good athlete, a little bit slender in the frame, um, but I think he moves really well. And I think he can be a good corner, whereas, uh, you know, Mansoor, maybe maybe he reminds me a little bit more of like a Kyle Fuller 
I, I think that he's got a little bit of that juice to him. I'm just I, I think when you when you put them on tape, if you take away the offers and you take away the stars and you take away all of that, in my opinion, Mansoor pops out on film. Um, more than Cam does. Cam plays really, really good competition, though. So maybe that's part of it. Um, you know, at St. Francis, they play a national schedule, so they play really, really elite teams. Um, Mansoor comes from a really good program as well up there in Maryland, so they play good competition as well, though. So, you know, I think I think both of these guys are early impact guys, but I'm I'm really big. If I had to pick one of them to be a, a an impact guy earlier the you know the earliest to make a big play i'm going with mansoor now it's easy to harp on the fact that virginia tech lost a couple of recruits because of the coaching change that we made but we also gained a couple of recruits as a result of the abrupt resignation of bronco mendenhall at uva Keyshawn burgos and brody meadows make the flip from little brother to the Hokies. i want to start with meadows here evan it's because he's the higher-rated recruit. He's the guy that earned those U.S. Army All-American honors. When asked in the press conference today, Brent Price said Meadows, well, he had his eye on the Hokies for a long time. Is this a situation where Fuente's staff didn't necessarily recruit him? Is this a situation where he was recruited by Virginia Tech before but was more enamored by Mendenhall and the Wahoos? The resignation ultimately forces him to make the switch. That seems very up in the air to me based on what we've heard so far. What exactly happened? You know, I think it was a combination of a few things. Um, I think, obviously, had Bronco not resigned, I think Meadows would have signed with UVA. He had really deep connections with that staff. He he was their, one of their prized recruits. He was the guy that was a little bit of the glue in that, in that class. He was on campus often. He was a big-time win. Um, at a at a position that everybody's looking for guys that are six eight and, and can play on the offensive line. So, you know, everything there changed when uh, when Bronco resigned. But it also changed on Virginia Tech side uh, when you know Vance Vice and those guys, that staff under Justin Fuente, they weren't overly interested in Brody Meadows. He didn't fit what Vance Vice was looking for. Um, Vance Weiss is very particular in the O-lineman that he would take. He's done really well with it. I think that he has Virginia Tech's O-line playing at a high level, but he is very particular. And I think most coaches are, to be honest. They, they get into their little, um, you know, their, their, their little checkbox or checklist of what they want in a recruit. And you can get a little bit too specific, and you can you can cut out some players that – might be able to help you out down the road. And I think that's the, that's kind of what happened under Justin Fuente. I think that they got a little too specific on what they were looking for. And somehow Brody Meadows didn't didn't make the cut for them. He had visited Virginia Tech a lot younger in his younger years. I mean, obviously he's he's very local, very local to the school. Um, and he had been in and out of Blacksburg a lot. He had been on junior days. He'd been on game visits. Um, he had been there a, a bunch, but if if the school isn't interested in you or the coaching staff isn't interested in you, you go somewhere else. I mean, that's kind of what happened. So he committed to UVA and was full in locked on with the Cavaliers until uh, until Broncos resignation and Brent Pry and J.C. Price jumped on him, you know, and jumped on him quick of 
you know, maybe that's what the old staff thought, but that's not what we thought, you know, um, within, within the first three days or so that Brent Pry had been hired, I had reached out to Brody and he said he had heard a little bit from Virginia tech, but it wasn't much. I mean, didn't have an offer yet, kind of a, a feeling you out, getting to know you, are you interested in us? Are we interested in you? And then maybe another three or four days went by and he said, Hey, I just got an offer from Virginia tech. Um, and you know, this was going into this last weekend. Right. And he said, I guess got an offer from Virginia tech. Um, so quickly I was, you know, wondering, are you going to visit Blacksburg? Right. Like you just got the offer. Are you coming back to campus to check out, check out Virginia tech. And he wasn't sure it was between maybe going back to UVA or going to Virginia tech. And then, you know, Fairly, fairly short time after that, he, he hit me back and said he's going to visit Virginia Tech after a state championship game, which was played in Salem. That was kind of another little bit of a uh, a key for um, for this this recruitment was getting him on campus before signing day. And he played in Salem before signing day. So it was really easy for him to get, you know, up there had he played at ODU on Saturday, he wouldn't have been able to visit Virginia Tech Saturday night to Sunday. So, you know, that little bit of, of getting to, you know, a little bit of the luck of the draw, if you would, of him being able to play in Salem, come up on the official. And that's really when the, when they sealed the deal that Virginia Tech sealed it, he was flipping to the Hokies. I mean, you grow up in that area. Virginia Tech is very prevalent. Uh, It's obviously close to home. So, I wasn't overly surprised when he when he got the offer. I think we all thought maybe there was a a chance Uh, when he got on campus. That chance grew a lot more. And then, you know, by Sunday, it was it it was time to put in a crystal ball. He was going to flip to the Hokies. Another one of Virginia Tech's top recruits in the class is, quite frankly, from right down the road. Benji Gosnell, the Hillsville, Virginia native. Put that in perspective for you listeners. Hillsville is within the broadcast reach of my radio station, ESPN Blacksburg. But Gosnell was a four-star recruit, a big talent, a big target for Brent Pride that he got relatively immediately. I look at this offer list, Evan, and it's college football playoff caliber. Georgia, Notre Dame, Ohio State. Obviously, he ultimately lands with the Hokies. Expectations are high. I think a lot of fans are asking, how quickly can this kid make an impact? You know, the big thing is going to be his health. Um, he, he tours ACL uh, during his senior season, so he has been recovering from that. Now, tearing your ACL in 2021 is much different than tearing your ACL 20 years ago. So you recover faster, you recover stronger uh, with modern techniques and modern medicine. So I think he'll probably be cleared uh, he's he's is early enrolling at Virginia Tech, which will help. I think I don't think he'll be cleared to go through spring practices yet. That's just my thought process of when the injury occurred. He'll probably miss the spring, but he will get to go through uh, some of the winter conditioning and he'll get acclimated with the program. And then you get into summer, you know, as he phases back in and then fall camp at a t- at the tight end position. Pre-injury, I thought Benji Gosnell was a day one guy. You know, you you lose James Mitchell. There's talk that you could lose, um, you know, maybe a Drake Dulius, um, maybe a Nick Gallo. You already lost uh, Will Pinay to the, the defensive line. So 
you're going to need somebody to truly step up and be that playmaker. And I think he is that playmaker, but I, I want to temper that with the, 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 the knee injury, how quickly can he recover? And can he be a hundred percent again, mentally and physically coming back from that? Now, the interesting thing is what does Brent Pry see? Because Justin Fuente's staff was offensive minded. You're a tight end. Brent Pry is defensive-minded. Is he a linebacker now? I think he could be a darn good linebacker. He had P5 schools that wanted him to be a linebacker. That's where North Carolina was recruiting him. Um, you know, They were in his top two. They really liked him at linebacker. So can he be a, a linebacker? He can. Can he play early at linebacker? I don't know because there is there are some bodies there right now, obviously with Dax coming back. Then you have, you know, Tisdale and a few other guys that are already more entrenched in the defense than than somebody coming in and being bright eyed as a true freshman. So maybe the path is a little clearer if he goes to the tight end room where he could be in the in the two deep almost by default. Um, I expect uh, Penn State. I expect Virginia Tech to to do sort of a Penn State type of mold in the offensive scheme where they play two tight ends often. Uh, and get them involved. So I could see him playing early on the uh, on the offensive side of the ball earlier than at linebacker. I don't know which side he projects to better. I think he's a good athlete that could play on either side. But, uh, you know, I think with with Brent Pry and his defensive mind running the running the show, I wouldn't be shocked to see him get a, get get a uh, a, a shit at uh, at linebacker once he's cleared to get on the field. All right, Evan, we've gone through the highlights, and we've gone through the guys at the top of the list of Virginia Tech's commitments in terms of the recruiting rankings, but anyone who follows Virginia Tech football, anyone who follows college football knows that some of those guys at the bottom of the list are going to make a massive impact for the Hokies. The household names aren't always the ones that made a lot of noise on signing day. Looking at the names that we haven't mentioned yet, who sticks out as an exceptional talent, someone with a lot of potential, someone who you think can do really big things at Virginia Tech? Yeah, you know, just just scrolling through, you know, a guy like Johnny Garrett, you know, he was a guy that was real quiet in his recruitment, offensive lineman, committed to Virginia Tech over Boston College. That's that's interesting right there because he's from Boston, goes to Boston College High School. And Boston College puts out some really good offensive linemen. Got a lot of interest from, you know, Michigan and Notre Dame throughout the process as well. I think he's a guy that has loads of potential. Um, you know, he's got to fill out. He's obviously, you know, 265 pounds right now, but we've heard nothing but rave reviews. And and he's a guy that the staff really wanted to hold on to, uh, you know, when the transition happened. Tucker Holloway's another one. I reported this earlier today. I spoke to somebody really close with with Tucker and knows his recruiting process really well, uh, who said that he was really conflicted of if he was going to sign with Virginia Tech. One, there's there was no OC. There's no wide receiver coach. A lot of unknowns on the offensive side of the ball. But he was also getting heat from Florida, from Tennessee and from Vanderbilt. So this is a guy that, you know, is is not even ranked nationally is a low three-star guy, the number 161 receiver in the country that have three sec schools really giving you, you know, giving that, giving you a really strong push to not sign 
with Virginia Tech and consider their program. So I think that speaks volumes. He's got great size at six, two and a half. He's he's a guy that ran, I believe, a 10, seven hundred meters. So, you know, he can fly really a good, uh, good mixture of size, speed and athleticism. Lamar Law is another one. You know, he's the number 32 player in the state of Virginia right now in the 24-7 sports composite. But he's a monster at Green Run. You know, they were a, a top team in the state this year, and, and he was a big reason for it. You know, he's 300 pounds, and he can play tight end. Uh, he's a heck of a, a of a run stopper. He can get in the backfield. He's a really good playmaker out of the 757. I think that's a really, really big pickup for the Hokies. Bryce Duke does not get enough attention, in my opinion. Everybody loves Ramon Brown. I get it. Everybody, he was the talk of the town when he was committed. Bryce Duke is is no slouch. I mean, you you're not the you know all met offensive player of the year for nothing, right? Like he he can play some football. He can run. He's quick. I wouldn't say he's the fastest guy out there. He's not going to run a four four but he's really shifty. He's hard to bring down. He runs hard uh, and he never stops. I mean, they were feeding him 30, 40 carries a game uh, sometimes this year. And and he just kept going. I mean, he's a guy that can handle the load and be an every down back. Uh, You know, he might need to get a little bit bigger, but I think he can be an every down guy at Virginia tech. Kyrie Moiston. uh, I mean, he is nothing but raw potential in a great size. I mean, he's a, he's a heck of an athlete. I think people maybe don't realize how athletic he is. I had it uh, explained to me one time, he's a defensive back in a DN's body by the way he moves. And, you know, he, I think he's a big time get for the Hokies. Uh, and then, you know, you, you keep scrolling up. I mean, I like guys like Braylon Moore. I think, you know, we've seen what Caden can do. I think Braylon Moore is another one of those tough guys that, isn't going to back down from the weight room, isn't going to back down from doing everything necessary to put himself in a position to play and play early and, uh, and be a physical factor. One of the guys I love Texas two VT. I know it, I know it still, it's still painful to some people, but I'm a big fan of Johnny Dixon, huge ties to the state of Virginia, born in Portsmouth. I mean, he grew up uh, in the seven five seven, I think until he was about eight or nine years old. Mom is active duty Navy, um, so he's already dealt with some adversity. He's dealt with deployments. He's dealt with all of that. Coming back to Virginia to play his college football, great size already, over three hundred pounds. You know, Virginia Tech's got some holes on the offensive line. They've got some questions. They might fill those with the portal. They might fill those with some JUCO or things like that. But if you've got to go with a with a true freshman. He's the most game ready. I mean, he's he's well over 300 pounds. He can move. He can play at uh, you know at a good level at the Texas football. Uh, and and you watch his film. He's a mauler, man. I, I really like that guy, despite him being you know the 533rd best player in the in the in the uh, in the country and the 25th best interior offensive lineman. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a really good career in Blacksburg. Evan, I have one more big picture question before we wrap it up. Brent Pry has been tasked to bring Virginia Tech back to the level where they're competing for ACC Coastal Divisions, ACC Championships year in and year out. That's going to require recruiting the footprint. So I think it's safe to say that getting to that point is damn near impossible 
if North Carolina is dominating the Commonwealth of Virginia recruiting-wise. The Tar Heels bring four of the top five recruits in the state of Virginia into their 2022 class. How do we stop that? How do we get North Carolina to stop poaching in the state of Virginia? You know, I think some of that will will solve itself a little bit by the fact, you know, I think that other parts of the state are doing really well in football and the talent level is rising. And, and I think North Carolina's roots right now are mostly in the 757, which is where Dre Bly is from. He's got his own field here. He's got deep roots in, uh, you know, in the Hampton Roads region and players want to play for him here. You know, I I I don't want to discount that. I think he's a great recruiter. And, uh, you know, I think that he's done a really good job in the Virginia Beach region, which happens to have really talented football players right now. I think when you can get guys in that can lock down Northern Virginia, you get guys in that can get you some guys out of Richmond. You continue to poach really good players the best available from Southwest Virginia. And you still come to the 757. I'm not saying don't don't recruit the 757, but you have to come and be, uh, you, you have to be competitive in the 757. Getting guys like Lamar Law will really help because Green Run has some dudes coming out in the future. Getting Kyrie Moisten can help because Kings Fork is known to put guys out. That's where guys like Chuck Clark came from. And they can they they are known to continue to build out. Virginia Tech really needs to get into Oscar Smith. Um, they've had great great success there in the past, but they went away from it a little bit under Justin Fuente. I think you have to get back into Smith, um, and then you have to really start getting into some of the beach schools. It, it's very interesting the recruiting dynamics of the seven five seven. Not you, you can't just take anybody and put them in Hampton Roads and expect them to recruit and recruit well. You have to have, uh, you know, you have to have some ties. You have to know who the who the right players are, the key players are. And it's kind of like a game of chess. Uh, so, you know, for Virginia Tech to, to really, really try to lock down the state of Virginia, you have to be able to lock down the, the at least the three key points of 757. Richmond and Northern Virginia and then Southwest Virginia you get the guys that come out of there maybe you get some of the guys out of Central Virginia Lynchburg has a few guys coming out in the next few cycles that look pretty good Uh, maybe you can go and get some of those guys as well but they have to be able to find somebody that can recruit 757 I do think Derek Jones can do it Um, I think he's a guy that can do can he do it by himself probably not JC Price is really well known in the 757 um, Derek Jones is, is well known simply because of what he did at Duke and he always recruited the a- area really well and away from football people really resonate with him coaches resonate with him trainers resonate with him his words of wisdom his motivation uh, the way he carries himself the way he interacts with other people so I think those two guys maybe if you can add in a third that has ties to the area that can help as well. Virginia Tech really has to focus on landing a few guys in the top 10. They're never going to land the top 10. They're never going to land all five of the top five. That's just not going to happen. They need to land guys in the top 10, you know, three, four of them a year if possible, and really make your money between 11 and 20. That's where Frank Beamer made his money. 
Justin Fuente got away from it. Bronco Mendenhall started to take that momentum a little bit and build the UVA team around a little bit of that. I think Virginia Tech needs to do that. Get in and start getting 11 through through 20. Try to get, you know, six, seven, eight of those guys. Get a few of the top 10. You get 10, 11, 12 guys a year from the state of Virginia or more. Good things are going to happen. Pipelines are going to start. High school coaches are going to start sending more of their kids there. Um, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a ripple effect that continues on uh, and continues to reach wider and wider. And you're going to win some football games that way. So I like that Brent Pry is focusing heavily on the state of Virginia. The numbers he signed this class are great. There's still other guys out there in the, in the state that he might even add before February. So, you know, I think uh, I think you really have to prioritize the state and all of the state. I think sometimes fans maybe get bogged down of, of just the 757. Northern Virginia's got some really good football players and they're going to Maryland and Penn State. If you can stop that from happening, I think uh, I think good things will start to happen in Blacksburg. It's multifaceted. It's not going to happen overnight. But, Evan, I think you are absolutely correct. But all right. You are probably pretty tired on what is one of the busiest days in your profession. Any final words to the folks at home before we check out and wrap up early signing day 2021? Yeah, I mean, just just uh, let's see what happens over the next couple of sprints. I mean, this recruiting classes are a marathon. Signing day today doesn't mean the class is over. You got more kids that will sign in February. Transfer portal is as as crazy as it has ever been. And Virginia Tech is reaching out to kids left and right that are in the transfer portal that can come in in January or come in after the spring uh, for the next uh, next football season. So every day is going to be a sprint. We're going to learn something new every day and we're going to see some uh, see how these guys recruit and see how the staff fills out. So. You know, just just stick with us as we continue to go through this thing, because uh, it's going to continue to grow. And I think good things are on the horizon for Virginia Tech. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up here. Thanks for listening to Inside the Tunnel, brought to you by VT Scoop 24-7 Sports. I am Andrew Alex. He is Evan Watkins. We will talk to you soon as more coaching hires are made, as Virginia Tech attacks the transfer portal. Plenty of news on the horizon. And it's not just from this podcast. Check out vtscoop.com. You can follow them on Twitter at vtscoop. You can follow Evan on Twitter at Evan G. Watkins 24-7. You can follow me at Andrew A-L-I-X or radio. You can follow Matei and Doug, who could not make it today with Matei Sis 24-7. And Doug Bowman 24-7. We'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the holidays. Until then, go Hokies.